Well, hey, good morning again. It is so great to be back. Sam, great to be back with you. Can we get a hand for Sam? He is doing some fantastic work. And it's so great to be back with you, um, wherever, wherever you are. Yeah, thanks for letting us in today to your house, to your living room. Um, I am really excited for what's ahead here. We've got some great topics, great scriptures that we're going to be digging into in the months ahead. We just wrapped up with First Peter. We've got Judges, the book of Judges this summer we're going to be looking at. We're going to be taking a biblical perspective on media through the lens of Philippians. We, um, oh, race, it's on. We, it's on the calendar. We've got it locked in uh, starting in, in October. And then we're going to be tackling some of these questions that a lot of people are asking about why are Christians so divided and why are they so anti, it seems, and political and these types of things. So really looking forward to what's ahead. And I'm looking forward to this new series that starts today called Build With Us. I want to start with a question here. We'll put it on the screen for you. A question that I never saw coming. This comes out of a real conversation, not making this up, real conversation I had while I was out of the office. How will a trending belief in space aliens affect the stock market? Sam, have you had anybody bring up that question with you recently? You actually have? No way. All right. He has. All right. So just when you think 2020 and 2021 can't get any more surreal, here's another curveball that got thrown our way. Um, there I was talking with a financial planner about how a trending belief in aliens is going to affect potentially my retirement. Well, there's a whole lot of trends that have been happening over these last couple of years. And as we get started today, I want to have a little fun with this. I, I want to get a gauge on how you feel about some of these, some of these trends. Because there's been so many. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to use our thumb as an indicator. And, and I know this might sound silly, but I'd love for you to do this at home. I, I, I want us to be in this together. So please humor me. All right, so here's how your, here's how your indicator works. Uh, this means strongly agree. This means strongly disagree. This is somewhere in between. So let's have a little calibrating question here for our device to make sure it's working. Question number one is this. Oh, I love doing interactive stuff like this. <laughs> if, if you're... <laughs> We got one thumbs up. We got one thumbs down. Thumbs up means yes. Um, hey, thanks for trying to make this interactive. Thumbs down is this is not my thing. And then somewhere in between. All right, you know how this works. So here we go. Um, number one, let's try this for real now. One year after George Floyd's death, I am inspired by the shining example that our nation's leaders have set for us. When discussing and acting on racial disparity, the bipartisan collaborative tone and stunning progress that our elected officials have made over the last 12 months serves as a model for us all. How are you feeling about that? Uh, yeah, we got two thumbs down in this room. All right, so let's try it again. Here's another one. Um, it has never been easier to have a respectful, helpful exchange of ideas on sensitive topics, especially over email, text, and social media platforms. People listen extremely well, seek facts before forming opinions, and are eager to learn from people who see things differently. Where are you at? Yeah, we got thumbs down. All right, next one. Entertainment, social media are trending the right way. News outlets are more concerned about responsible journalism than chasing ratings. Tech companies model exemplary transparency, consistency, and integrity. Parents feel great about the content that's available to their kids and the amount of media their kids are consuming. Where are you at? All right. We just got two more. Here we go. Loneliness, anxiety, depression. 
which soared to records rates in 2019, are no longer widespread. People are experiencing less stress, less anxiousness, more peace and abundant joy. Counselors, other health, mental health professionals, no longer needed, looking for new careers. Yeah. All right, last one. At least there's a solution right here, a fix. People who identify as Christians are representing Christ extremely well. Outsiders look at church people and say, wow, look how committed they are to honoring their God. Look how they love one another. Look at how they love their enemies and pray for those who persecute them. I want more of what they have. Yeah. We could do this all day, couldn't we? D domestic abuse, up. Substance abuse is up. Homelessness is up. And there is so much hyper-individualism and hyper-tribalism and hyper-simplification of complex issues. Well, if you're a note-taker, I want to invite you to write this down. Here is my challenge for you as we begin this brand new series called Build With Us. Our world is broken. Should we wash our hands or should we roll up our sleeves? That phrase, washing my hands of this, it goes way back, at least as far back as Pontius Pilate. Maybe many of you remember the story. Pontius Pilate is, is pulled into this, this trial where, where Jesus is about, they want him to be executed. And what does Pilate do? He goes, I washed my hands of this. He literally took water. Why wash my hands? Hey, this is on you. This is on you. There are, are people today who identify as followers of Jesus. And aren't they basically saying that to the world? Aren't they basically saying, hey, this is on you. We're going to be over here singing reckless love, right? Well, this is a series about rolling up our sleeves. This is a series about, God, what would you have us do to bring real help and real hope to this broken world? If you're taking notes, I invite you to write this down too. Emmanuel is in the midst of an unconventional building project. Now, just to clarify on this, we're, what we're doing is only unconventional up and against the culture. What we're doing is a continuation of what God's people have been called to do all along. Our work is a continuation of the good work that God gave Adam and Eve in the garden. Our work is a continuation of the call to Abram to come and, and, and have this covenant with God. Our call, our, call our, our, our work is a continuation of the great commission that Jesus gave his disciples. So, since it's a continuation, let's go, let's look at those who've gone before us. Let's see what we can learn from those who were successful in these endeavors. And if you want to get a master class on anything related to building, well, you can't get much better than uh, Nehemiah for a text. So, Let's take a look. And what we're going to find here, Nehemiah begins with prayer. He begins with prayer. And there's a whole lot we can learn from Nehemiah about the way that he prayed. So I'm really excited to get into this today. If you're taking notes, you're going to want to note this. If we want to build like the pros, let's learn to pray like the pros. So if you have your Bible with you, let's turn to Nehemiah chapter 1. We're going to look First at verse 3 here. I want to let you know, too, if you don't have a Bible at home and you want a, a great free Bible app, you can go to YouVersion 
www.nehemiah.com and, uh, and their, their Bible app is very good. All right, here we go. Nehemiah chapter one is returning there. Here's some context. In 587 BC, the city of Jerusalem was, uh, well, fell to the Babylonian empire. The city was destroyed, many of the survivors carried off into captivity. And then in 539 BC, the Persians under Cyrus the Great defeated the Babylonians. So now the Persians are, are, are the empire controlling this region. And Cyrus, no relation to Miley or Billy Ray, Cyrus gave permission for the Jews who were exiled. He said, now you can go back to your homeland, to this place that the Persians referred to as the land beyond the river. Okay, so that's some of the background. Now let's fast forward to the book of Nehemiah. It's about 100 years later. A man named Nehemiah is serving as a trusted official in the court of King Artaxerxes. Nehemiah was a Jew and his heart was with his people and his heart was with his homeland. And one day, Nehemiah's brother and several companions brought Nehemiah this report. Actually, we're gonna read verses three and four. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. All right, so Nehemiah gets this news and it just wrecks him, just wrecks him. His nation was broken and it broke him too. And what did Nehemiah do? It says here, he prayed. He prayed, and get this, it, 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 the way he prays is a version of the Acts prayer. Many of you remember this, um, this Acts prayer. We've talked about this template before when we taught about prayer in the fast. Um, have you heard of this? It, it, it's an, an acronym. Here's, we'll put it up on the screens for you. Acts prayers, it's this acronym for begin with adoration, which is uh, words of deep love and respect, and then move to confession, and then thanksgiving, and then supplication, which is asking for something earnestly or humbly. Nehemiah's prayer follows this template. This is an Acts prayer. Let's continue on, uh, starting with verse five here. Uh, and I said, Nehemiah said, as he begins his prayer, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. He begins with adoration. Nehemiah begins with a prayer that reminds him of God's greatness, who God is. It was interesting. I studied this passage uh, for a different message um, a while back. And I, I discovered the Persians, they had their own version of, quote, God of heaven. And so what does Nehemiah do as he's, as he's adoring his God and, and honoring his God? He says, hey, there's one God of heaven. It's Yahweh. And Yahweh's ear, ear is attentive. And Yahweh's eyes are open. And Yahweh loves those who love him and keep his commandments. So Nehemiah begins this prayer of, of adoration as he begins his prayer. Now look what comes next. What comes next? It's, it's confession. All right, let's, we're going to look at verses 6 and 7. Here we go. Verses 6 and 7. Let your ear be attentive. He's talking to his God. And your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you 
Even I, my father's house, have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you. We have not kept the commandments, the statutes, the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. So Nehemiah laments over the things that they have done. He confesses his sins and the sins of his people. And then he does this. Let's look at verses 8 through 10. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you're faithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your your outcasts are in the outermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them. I will bring them to the place that I have chosen and to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. All right, let's talk about this a little bit. And I cannot, I cannot emphasize the importance of that section of scripture enough. Do you see what he does there? What Nehemiah does? He anchors to scripture. He anchors his prayer to scripture. He aligns his prayer with the promises of God. Best definition I've ever heard of prayer is prayer is discerning what God wants to do and then asking God to do it. In the New Testament book of James, James says this about prayer. James says, you don't have because you don't ask. And when you do ask, you don't receive because you're asking with the wrong motives. You want to just spend what you ask for on misguided passions. All right, Nehemiah is about to make a big ask here. He's about to make a big, big ask, a seemingly impossible ask. But before he ever gets to his ask, Nehemiah Nehemiah anchors to what he knows about God. How many of you want to be able to discern, God, what are you saying? I want to hear your voices distinct and apart from all these other voices in my head, right? Isn't that what we want? One of the best ways you can learn to recognize God's voice and discern his voice from all the other voices is to read his word. You begin to know what God's voice sounds like. You begin to know God's heart. You begin to know how God sees things. You begin to know where does God set boundaries? Where does God call people into situations? It is after reminding himself of who God is. It's after reminding himself how he and his people have fallen short. It's after grabbing hold of God's great promises. Then... Nehemiah makes his request. You might want to write this down too. If you want to build like the pros, it's, you know, we want to learn to pray like the pros. Look at this. The acts, the ACT prayers, what do they do? They lay the foundation so that when you bring an S prayer, when you begin to actually ask, you're building on that foundation. So after laying the foundation, after aligning his heart and mind with the will of God, now Nehemiah begins to shift his focus. So let's go back to the text, verse 11. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today. Grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was cupbearer to the king. (laughs) I can't emphasize enough what he does here either. What does he do here? He says, whatever you ask God, I'm in. I'm willing to be part of the solution. I'm willing to be part of the answer to my own prayer. 
Let's continue on. Nehemiah 2, verses 1 through 2. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine. I gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, why is your face sad, seeing you're not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. And then what was his reaction? He was very much afraid, afraid. Nehemiah was about to ask the king for permission and resources to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Okay, why was he afraid of that? Well, there's some textual cues in the book of Ezra that imply that King Artaxerxes himself, this very king that Nehemiah is going to go to, he may have been the one who hit pause on some people who were about to rebuild. He said, you were about to rebuild the walls. It might have been this very king who said, you can't do that. And so now, here's Nehemiah. He's going to go to that same king and say, you know what? Most powerful person on the planet, that building project that you shut down, I'm telling you, you should restart it, and I'm your guy to restart it. And by the way, here's my materials list. Can any of you relate to that on any level when you think about this? You've been in a position where you've got something hard to say to somebody and you know they're not going to want to hear it. Wouldn't it be good to have the presence of God going with you into that situation, leading you, guiding you, giving you those words? All right, here's another reason why Nehemiah was very much afraid, at least potentially. Archaeologists have discovered Persian art. And in some of those art pieces, you know what they see? People surrounding the king, they have their right hand over their mouth. As if to say, I, I don't want to speak before the king. I don't even want my breath to hit him. Because I don't want to offend him with anything I say or defile him even with my breath. That could have came into Nehemiah's fear. And I was thinking about that and I was thinking the culture we're in, can you relate to those fears? Where it's like, I don't even want to say anything anymore because no matter where I land, either on this side or this side or even in the middle, I'm going to have people just come at me. I don't want to say anything. All right, let's go back to our text one last time. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. The king said to me, what's your request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And then I said, and there he goes. You ever heard the um, phrase flare prayer before? It's one you used to use back in the day. It might be the most common form of prayer there is. Uh, a flare prayer is this. Something happens around you and you're like, God, I need your help. And you just shoot something up, right? A prayer for, for help. Do we have precedence for flare prayers? Yeah, we, we got one right here with Nehemiah. But let's actually look at one that worked and, and, and potentially try to see if we can figure out why it worked. What can we learn from Nehemiah's example? Well, Nehemiah's flare prayer, it had a solid foundation under it. Do you remember that? His prayers, all these prayers that for months Nehemiah had been laying down, this gave a strong foundation. Nehemiah, his daily prayers were reminding him that God is great and can do all things. His daily prayers were reminding, hey, I am dependent on God for any of this work and because I sin all the time, I keep messing up. And his daily prayers were reminding him of God's great promises. And he knew, Nehemiah knew that he knew that he knew is that this is something that God wants. And so then when God provided the opportunity, which he did, Nehemiah was able to take a deep breath, say, God, one more time, here I go. 
Be with me in this. My brothers and my sisters, next week, we're going to be sharing some specific things. Specific things that as best we can discern, these are things that fit, that come off that foundation of this is in line with the character of God. These are things that he is inviting us to do. Every single one of them is countercultural. Every single one of them is bigger than anything we could do on our own. So, gut check time. It's gut check time. Do we believe this or not? Do we believe? Do we have the audacity to believe the words of Jesus that with God, all things are possible? Do you personally, do you have the audacity to believe that one year from now, in a world that is pulling people apart, do you believe you could become closer and better connected as a family and with new friends? Do you believe that you could become better equipped with a distinctly biblical understanding and God could go with you into these difficult conversations about race, about human sexuality, about politics. Imagine how your life could be different one year from now if prayer became as natural as breathing. That, that, that when you were about to start a project, any project, God, inspire my work. That, that you could know and experience God leading you, guiding you through your day. And when you prayed, you could have greater confidence that your prayer is aligned because it's got this great foundation underneath it. And then imagine together. Imagine what we could do together. Imagine if every one of us asked, okay, God, what is my part in this partnership? Next week, we're hoping to be able to share a little video about what's been happening here at this studio in terms of the facility itself. You know, it is going to be so much more than a place where we do this as important as this is. It's going to be so much more. It's going to be a new home to everything from youth group to conferences to draft parties to Bible studies, even to a new Sunday morning service right here. And then a year from now, we could be celebrating our most successful camps and retreats yet to date, the best we've ever hosted, with a growing people, number of people, this team that is now planning the next four or next six. And as early as this summer, I'll tell you more about this next week. We could be putting a new roof over a building that's going to house these kids in Juarez, Mexico after that devastating fire. Well, I can't wait. I can't wait to share this vision for what could be if we, if we will pray like the pros. This is a church that was born out of prayer. We've had a teaching series on prayers that we brought everyone through. We offer now a special prayer course that I've heard great things about that can take you deeper. We offer prayer every week. This is a family. We are trying our best to learn how to pray like the Nehemiahs. More importantly, pray like Jesus. Pray like Jesus. I want to close this uh, last part of the service here 
with a true story. And then I'm going to extend an invitation to you. One of the projects that I was working on while I was um, off for the last couple of weeks, at least out of the office, was the deck, our deck. It, it needed a lot of work, so I was doing some repairs. So I was in Home Depot getting the right tools, and then I had to get some advice because there were these cuts I had to make, and I had to make several of them that I didn't know how to make. They were really challenging cuts involving all kinds of these angles and notches and all this. And so I'm talking to this woman who works there and I'm trying to describe these types of cuts that I need to do. And she says, hey, did you take a picture? And I'm like, no. And oh, did I feel foolish because what did I have? I had a camera. I, instead of trying to describe this thing, these cuts, I could have just taken a picture. The camera was right there all along, all along. I knew what a camera was capable of, but I didn't even think to use it. I don't even know exactly where I'm going right now. I bet most of you watching this right now, I pretty much didn't say anything that you haven't heard before. But how many of you, when it comes to prayer, it's like this. Here's my invitation. You want to build something special. You want God to build something special in your life. Do we want some, God to do something special in our church? Let's do this with prayer. Let's do this. You know, there's, I only got one more thing that I want to invite you to write down here, and it's this. Today's response song, it's an invitation. Consider all the things that your phone can do when you pick it up. This, this is an amazing device. It, it can answer questions. It can provide direction. It can connect you with people and connect you with opportunities. Can prayer help with any of those things? And let me take this a step further. Unlike your phone that requires you to care for it, unlike your phone, which has to be recharged by you, what can prayer do? Prayer can connect you, can connect us with the God who wants to recharge us and replenish us and care for us as he leads and guides us. So here's what I invite you to do right now with this song that's coming up next. Make this your prayer. And let me pray for you as we go to that time. Let's pray. This Because this is the foundation of everything else that follows. Father, I want to pray for my brothers, my sisters who've gathered here with us today. Lord, we pray right now that that very Spirit of Christ Jesus of Nazareth, who, who, who launched his ministry with prayer, who, who paused for prayer, who was praying continually, and then whose life was more aligned with your will than anyone in history. In fact, it was perfectly aligned. Father, right here, right now, we, meet, we, we invite his spirit into our lives. So not only are we following his example, but we're learning even what it means that he's praying through us. We pray that you would, Holy Spirit, enable us to pray through this song. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.